And I still remember once, I was 21 and an old, old aunt, my dad's eldest sister, said to my mum, my daughter has four children and she's the same age as Reshma. What's Reshma achieved? You know, don't you think that she should be married now? And my mum proudly said, she's got a degree. That's what she's got. Welcome to Everyday Leadership, podcast where I interview leaders not defined by position or title. Everyday people who lead their lives in extraordinary ways. And on this podcast, they share their stories, their life lessons and practical tools in the hope that it will inspire everyday people like you and me to realize we are everyday leaders. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of having a conversation with um, Reshma, who is the managing director of Octavia Security, previous lawyer, woman of many talents that you're going to learn about as we as we delve into. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's a pleasure to see you today. I, I've been I've been looking forward to this. Um, after our last our last offline conversation, I was like. Nah, I need to get on the podcast. Like she has, you have done so many um, great things and accomplished a lot, and there's so much more to come. And before we go to what you do right now, let's—I like, always like to go back to the origin story to to understand how you got to where you where you got to. Because so often we look at we see people where they are now without understanding where they actually came from. So I think we go back to you being being a lawyer. Yep, I was a corporate restructuring lawyer. Um, worked for a um, global law firm and um, was part of the rat race, really. Um, and very ambitious, award-winning. And then babies came along. Well, I thought that within four weeks, I'd be back at work because my career is extremely important. But as soon as I held my little one, you know, my hair's I extended my maternity leave for six months, then nine months, and then 12 months I went back kicking and screaming. Um, I worked for an amazing company who gave me some flexibility, but an opportunity to do a different role, which meant I could actually work from home. So I actually changed from being a restructuring lawyer to business development and client relationship within the legal sphere. Was that hard for you to do? No, that was my strength. That was a bit I liked. I liked the client contact um, and I liked going out there, but also it meant that I didn't have that commute. I could work from home um, and that's quite unusual. So the law firm I was with, it was, it was impressive that they, they took that into consideration, but they're very, very progressive as well as a company. Um, but it was hard after I had my second baby because then I went back and because of that career gaps, I was still that ambitious person. And I still wanted to be partner, but I had a few years out. So I'd been pushed back and I was missing the corporate scene. I was missing that, that lifestyle. Um, and whilst it was fun having stepping back, I wanted a new challenge. So I was approached by a friend um, who had said, why don't I join his team as their director of business development? And it was a completely different sector. I thought, if I'm going to take the risk, I might as well do it with somebody I trust. Um, and he was also a former corporate lawyer who had left and was successfully running his own security company. Now, I knew nothing about security. In fact, I thought security was a bouncer on a door. 
Um, gosh, I was wrong. <laughs> um, it was, I joined the company knowing nothing about security, but what my strength was, I understood clients and their clients' needs. So I listened um, and I worked damn hard. Within the first three months, I landed my largest contract, my first contract, um, for the large, one of the largest, number one um, logistics companies. And as a result of that, then it just went like this. Um, I was good at it um, and I enjoyed it. And that's when I joined the, the world of security and realized that security was a lot more than the bouncer. Um, and it was about corporate concierge services. It was bespoke, it was specialist. We did port security. We worked for clients like BBC. It was really exciting. That's how I stepped into security. And what it did was also give me these new roles, gave me the flexibility to be able to work from home so I could still be that mummy. Mm. I could still go to every school assembly. Um, I could drop the kids to school if I wanted to and go to a meet, arrange a meeting a bit later. I could then switch off when they were at home and log back on a bit later on. So I still worked just as hard, um, but I worked around my children. The culture suited me, but I also was still excited and stimulated by the environment. Wow, that's... Just listen to that journey unfold and, and play out. It's brilliant that you were able to have that flexibility right at the end, but even to go from law to security in a world you didn't know nothing about, that must have taken a complete mindset shift for you because... In a sense, lawyer was your, your identity from a work perspective anyway. You spent so many years working hard and, like you said, climbing that, that ladder and that fast track to becoming a, a corporate partner. And then things kind of change and you have to then take a new risk on just to actually move into something else. How was that process dealing with that? I'm sure there'll have been some cultural um, noise, I'll say, in the background as well when you made that decision to move from one to the other one. Oh gosh, yes. There was the you know, the status we get as a lawyer within the Asian community in particular. And a lot of people did think I was foolish, um, but also I'm very fortunate that my family supported me completely. Um, they knew I loved being a mummy, and I wanted that flexibility, and that was the catalyst for me. Um, my role um, wasn't going to be able to accommodate the kind of work I did. Wasn't going to be able to accommodate very young children because at this time my when I ventured out my little my daughter was three my son was one um so they were still very very young do you see that um do you see that sacrifice playing out a lot for other women as well who are lawyers who can't rise to the echelon of their career because they've had to either make that trade-off between being a mother and their career I think there's some spectacular lawyers out there or women who are able to juggle it all um, and have found a really good balance. I'm talking about my personal experience, but also I'm looking at my friends, you know, our cohort of trainees that we all train together. Um, we had some spectacular lawyers and men and women. And out of them, I'd say majority of the people I trained with are no longer practicing law in the same way. They've either gone in in-house um, or I'm still working for a company doing law, 
or they've gone to something completely different. They've set their own businesses up. Some have just taken a back seat completely and decided, actually, I'm not working anymore because it it was hard. We worked hard. We played hard. You know, it was that culture that we had. And at the time, it was so much fun. Honestly, I loved it. Um, but when I had my babies, it just it just didn't it didn't fit in well. I couldn't be that mum that's going out for drinks in the evening with clients for such a long time. I wanted to rush home at five. Um, and maybe I, you know, I left the, the the legal career a long time ago. I, I hope, and I, I think it's probably progressed dramatically. But in my days, it wasn't like that. Um, and it would have meant that I would have been seen as somebody who wasn't given one hundred and ten percent. And I always give one hundred and ten percent. So there would have always been that little clash. I say I was very, very lucky that I was at a great firm who gave me the flexibility to move my role. That role was as challenging in the sense that it was great. I was bringing work into the firm. Um, I was you know, making money for the firm still. But typical me, I got bored. You got bored? That's a... <laughs> what does boredom look like for you? I need something that's all constantly stimulating me, constantly getting me excited. Um, that's what running your own business does. It, it gives you that buzz, um, that risk, that responsibility and ownership. I'm only as good as the last decision I will, I make. Um, I won't be memorable of the good decisions I made and how successful I was, but that is the adrenaline that excites me as well in some ways. So. Yeah, I get bored, but then I go and I've got I've got a number of businesses that I'm part of, and I've got amazing team members, and I'm seeing them grow as well. Um, and every client for me is different. I do so many different sectors, so there's never a dull day for me. Um, but doing the same thing day in day out, just because the way I am, um, would would bore me. But as a lawyer, I wasn't going to get bored because I have a different client case. I'd be dealing with different people. Um, but just doing, staying in, in that one position, I, I know I could never have done that. Um, and it would take me too long to get to where I wanted to. So when this opportunity came up, I thought, let's do it. Why not take a risk? Um, and it, it was fruitful. You know, from business development director, the plan was actually, to be honest, I was going to do it for two years and... I'd make lots of money and not go back. I'd stay at home with my babies. Um, little did I know I'd end up running a security company myself. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of, I thought I'd do that, gear the company to sell, and then I'd move on. But um, fate had other plans for me. Yeah, let's actually even jump into that. I mean, looking and researching into you, first time I heard of Octavian Security, I was like, who are they again? And then I recognised that actually they're probably a lot more familiar than people think when it comes to festivals, NHS, shops, so many different different environments that they operate in. So who who are Octavian Security and how did you get to the position that you're in right now? So the Octavian brand was and security was actually established in 2003. Um, and it um, grew from there to a national security company with more than a thousand employees. It branched out to the Middle East, Africa, Turkey, and, and the USA. Um, in 20, I joined in 2014 with the view to sell the business because 
you know, it was it was a competitive industry. Um, the owner at the time had moved to the USA, um, and I was more involved with the global development to that stage as well. So I progressed within the company. Now, in terms of the company itself, its strengths lied in the fact that it was big enough to cater for those big contracts, but small enough to still to provide that bespoke family service. So it was doing extremely well. Um, you know, it grew to, I think, 25 million. Um, and it sold. We moved on. Um, I started doing some global work. I took a, took a back seat for a little while. And I remember the brand was reconnect, recreated, reincarnated in 2016. Um, and because I was looking at over all the global product companies, I used to always keep an eye out on that business itself. Um, because it was my baby in some ways, you know, I was doing the sales for the last two years, you know, I helped grow that business as well. So I was, it was quite precious to me. Um, and I remember one day being in a meeting and it could have been doing a lot better than it should. And I, I couldn't help myself. And I said, no, you need to do X, Y, Z. And I kind of fell into it because I had a brilliant role. It was really easy and it was lots of fun. Um, I said, well, why don't you go down? Why don't you, why don't you go in as managing director and turn things around in the business? Um, they need some extra support. So I was bought in a couple of years ago just to turn around the business to, to make it, you know, push it forward because there was so much potential. Um, and the then owner of the business brought me on um, and I was really fortunate. Within six months, I bought in substantial contracts and... A year ago, um, I ended up taking over the entire company and taking over 100% ownership of the business. And we have just literally gone like this. Even And it was a crazy time because I took, I'd been negotiating purchasing the entire business for probably about seven, eight months. It was something that was always in the, in the pipeline for me. And that was the next step. And um, it had to close in March 2020 when... The whole world went crazy. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa. And what made it worse, I actually had COVID at the time. Um, so I'm doing this this purchase at the same time. I'm extremely ill. And X amount of the business closes overnight. You know, we, we're big in the education sector. We're, we're big in broadcasting and events. All of that stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I've got – but that's, that's when I thrive. It's either sink or swim. And I swam. I recruited. I went out there and I, whilst everybody was culling their teams, I knew there would be the best candidates out there. I contacted everybody I knew and we bought in work left, right and centre. And I got the best new candidates who in the last 12 months, you could say it was a bit of a baptism of fire, we grew. We invested in accreditations. We focused on getting the team the way we wanted to be assisted you know, we diversify because we were very lucky. I've never put all my eggs in one basket in this business. If I was a specialist only in events, I would have struggled. If I was a specialist only um, in education sector, well, universities closed, but I wasn't. You know, my, my company, we specialise in ports, logistics, property management, local government, central, you know. So all of that stuff, they became busier. They needed more security. So we're in a really, really good place. And because of our size, because we don't have all that the hierarchical kind of bureaucracy and 
you know, that we've got to get this approved. We were making decisions really fast. We were mobilizing contracts that would normally take six to eight weeks within 24 hours. Um, I had a COVID team created to assist our own teams if people became sick, but helped other companies if they needed extra staff at short notice. And a lot of people said, oh, that's presumptuous. You know, you recruited X amount of people. Will you have work for them? I had work for them. And as a result, we've ended up making a profit this year. Not as much as I wanted to because I set my expectations extremely high. But we made a profit and we survived. And we proved we were extremely resilient as a business. I'm so excited about 2021. I've already seen opportunities coming to us now. Um, And it's my new team and all those individuals I recruited that have got me to where I am today. So yes, the last 12 months have been challenging. Um, And the last six, seven years, my transition into the security industry has been challenging because it's different. I'm not the norm. I'm not the standard owner of a security company. It is still very male dominated, but then so was law. You know, um, people of like me, I know that there weren't many females in a senior role within the legal sphere, let alone a Pakistani woman. Um, that's kind of similar in the security industry in terms of women. Um, there's not many of us in who own these businesses. Um, culturally, people find it bizarre. Clients are quietly, they're actually, um, they, they're shocked. And, and I know that sometimes when you see me walk in, they're like, well, she really know what security is. But what they re- realise is my team, which which actually is probably 50-50 men and women, um, is awesome because we've got the attention to detail, the emotional intelligence. We all complement each other so well. Um, that diversity that's within our team actually makes us different and it makes us better. Um, so we've been able to service really impressive contracts, win impressive contracts, but we haven't lost them. We maintain those relationships. So, yeah. I hope um, <laughs> no, it's, 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 uh, it actually captures um, and brings a lot to the table, actually, because even the way that you, you talked about yourself and your rise to what you're doing right now, where you kind of glossed, <laughs> kind of glossed over it, like, yeah, I kind of got from there to there and I put some work in, I got some clients. And it wasn't, it wasn't that straightforward and it wasn't that easy. And it was that, what you just highlighted right now around the fact that actually you're going into environments where you're not the norm. You're not seen as the norm. And that's actually what set you apart in a good way. And I think so often we live in a world where people want to blend in. They don't want to stand out and you just kind of fit into the crowd, fit into the mold. But actually you are proof that actually when you go into environments where, okay, it doesn't look like you, that's not the standard of um, a woman, let alone a Pakistani woman being in security. There's so many different layers on that. But it was your personality and your talents that helped you to actually move things and look at things differently. I wanted to ask you um, about that, working in a very male-dominated field. What were the differences that you were able to bring to the meetings, the environments um, that you were in that other people, although your other male colleagues didn't necessarily have or could not see, where they might have seen as a weakness, but actually you showed that actually with the right person, this is a strength? Oh, there's been lots of situations. I think differently. I'm, I was always told I was too soft. I don't think I'm soft. 
Um, I think I'm quite, I think about decisions before I make them. Um, they have to be, feel right to me. And I always believe in giving people chances. I'm not that aggressive alpha male or alpha female. Um, I'm going to listen. I'm empathic. I'm going to make sure that I have both sides of the story before decisions are made. I'll do my research. I think maybe it's a lawyer in me in some ways as well. Um, I'm very risk averse um, in the sense that I'll think about what could happen if this decision made, what that. Um, but in terms of individually, I think I'm, um, I think women generally, but I think I was always considered damage control. They used to say it's a joking way, but that's because I just think I was in a bull in a china shop. I just think about the outcome and think about what I want in the end and how I'm going to get it in the most fairest, honourable way. Um, and it's always been successful. I think we all balance each other out. It is lonely in my position. I don't think people, it's still in this day and age, if I challenge or don't agree with something, sometimes, many times actually, I've been, the term difficult has been expressed. Just being difficult. But what if I wasn't a woman and a man was saying the same thing? Would they be considered difficult? Um, so I have had to learn to maybe challenge in a different way. Um, but it doesn't stop me challenging. I still get my point across because I think as a team, we all bring different things to the spectrum. We don't take anything away. You know, my finance team, my business development team, my operations team, we've all got different perspectives and in fact, I've recruited a team that I consider even more intelligent than me because um, they carry me and they all add bits where, where I've got gaps, where I don't see things. So I listen a lot. And all I see is, is, is we're all part of the same team. We're part of the same. I would actually call us a family. I graft as much as they all do. Um, there isn't that presumption I'm the boss. I'm not a boss. I'm a leader. What does um, leadership mean to you? It means being being there for your team, just being mummy, guidance. That's how I see it. Um, you're part of the family, you're guiding the family, you're supporting the family, and you've got a shared vision. And it's me that implements and ensures that everybody remains focused on that. Um, so that's how I see my role. That's what leadership means to me, looking after my team, looking after my family. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised to hear you say that you are risk averse because moving into this space and when you said into this role in securities world was risky doubling down during covid when everyone's busy letting people go is also can be seen as as risky it paid off and so would you say you're risk averse i'm I'm at calculated risks Mm. that's what i think i think i don't i've seen some business owners and I've, you know, a lot of colleagues and people I talk to will just say, that's it, I'm going for it. I will think that's it, I'm going for it. But let me just think about it for a day or two beforehand. That's the difference. I'll still take that risk, but I'll hesitate. I will, I'll, I will have a team member that I won't let go. And maybe I'll keep them three months longer than I should. Um, because I don't make those impulse decisions. I do follow my gut. Just think about it that little bit longer. I sleep on it. That's that's why I think I'm risk averse because I know a lot of people who don't sleep on it. People who just say this is what we're going to do and they follow it and they they make those make those takes those risks and you know something sometimes it works and they've done really well 
sometimes it hasn't. Well, I don't want to make those mistakes. So yes, I do take risks, but calculated. And how do you deal with um, failure when things don't go well? I hate it. I take it harshly. I, I want to win everything. That's the truth. I take it personally. I learn from it. I always learn. That one contract I didn't win because I didn't have X. I'll make sure next time I've got it. That one contract I, you know, that I just missed out on because this wasn't thingy, this wasn't right. Okay, how can we change things? How could I've answered that better? But yeah, I don't, I don't like not getting what I want. But sometimes I accept that I can't. So you know, certain contracts I'm not ready for yet. This business is not ready for. But I do want them, and when I'm ready for them, I'm going to go for them. So that's that's how I think that I don't feel there's anything I can't achieve, but I'll do it at the right time. And I know I'm going to have to face rejection before I get there many, many times, but it's not rejection because I'm learning. Every single time I learn and improve upon the next. I'm getting one step closer to that, that contract. That's how I see it. You reframe that whole situation to, to, to take the lesson from it, leave the emotion behind once you processed it. And then move it forward to actually be like, okay, this is this was a learning moment for me. I can actually gain something from it next time around again, which is very, which is a very good way of approaching things. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned your team a number of times, and how much they, your leader is part of this. Your guys are part of the family, and you've hired a team. Your team, how have you gone about recruiting the right people that fit into your culture and your environment? I actually do use my gut on that. That's the one thing I do use my gut on. I don't look at the CV as much. Wow, okay. I, I How come? In, because I didn't have a standard CV. So when I came into this industry, I knew nothing about security. But I had loads of transferable skills. I brought loads into it. I looked at things in a different perspective. Perspective. I was head of the business development team and I was closing large contracts. But I hadn't been in the industry for years. I wasn't ex-military. I wasn't ex-police force. But why was I successful? Because I could do it, that doesn't mean I'll dismiss someone else because they have it on paper because I speak to them. And if I like them and I feel they're fit and they can add something to their business, I give them an opportunity. And some sink, some swim, some thrive. But my team at the moment, honestly, those gut instincts worked. I've got former senior partners and corporate lawyers who just got fed up with the whole legal spectrum and thought, Rashford, you've done it. Let me try it. And they've been brilliant. Honestly, they've got this, those skills, the attention to detail, the listening, the communication, um, answering, like just writing a document, an email, the way they draft that. They're very corporate. Now, the clients I attract, what I'm good at, are the corporate clientele. So if somebody's got experience of working with them, that's brilliant. So, yeah, for me, that is one thing I do follow my gut instinct on. And I think I get it right most of the time. Um, but also I've got a very loyal and experienced team. So I give a lot of respect to experience in the sense that people have been with the business for a long time. Some of them know the industry even better than me. I rely upon them in that sense. Um, so, yeah, it's a hit and miss. Hit and miss. You, you, you could, I've had got it right. I've got a really good team and we're really balanced. But um but yeah, so it has been hit and miss, but that's that's business. You've got to keep trying and recruiting until you get the right people that fit within your mold. And if they don't fit within your mold, 
then you can't keep them in the business for too long because that also causes you disruption. You are only as strong as your weakest link within the business. In order to do extremely well, you need a damn strong team. That is so true. Mm. Were you very intentional when you set about hiring for your team to be like, I want a mixed team, so men, women, different backgrounds, or was it just based in the the different people that you saw? Are you like, actually, I want that person. I want that attribute in that in my team. I don't know if it was subconsciously I wanted diversity. Um, or it could be the fact that I didn't see no difference between any candidate. I didn't see any weaknesses. I don't come with any prejudgment or stereotypes. Um, where I've been brought up, my background, how my family are, et cetera. You know, I, I just, I would go out there and ask people, word of mouth. Some people would say, oh, by the way, so-and-so's looking for a role. Oh, you know, sometimes I'm not even recruiting. Some of the people have come to me and I'm not even recruiting. And I've said, yeah, let, let's, let's have catch up. In fact, I don't even. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> different. <laughs> that is very different. Because you never know, you could find that gem and you might not have the opportunity now, but they could be part of the future. This is somebody that we've recently spoken to. He's absolutely awesome. The business isn't ready for him yet. I'm confident in six months he will join our team. I can already see it. Um, but if I hadn't given, if we hadn't spoken to this individual, he, I would have missed out on that opportunity of finding someone that I think, and now I've got something to aim for. I'm going to be in X mac contracts. As a result, they're going to do this. This is how it's going to work. That's how I work. Um, but yeah, in terms of the team and how I recruit and everything else, um, I don't think it was deliberate. I just I follow my heart. When you think about who, you, who your friends are and who your family are and how you choose them, some people you just click with. I click with a lot of people. So that's why I've got that diverse team. It goes to show when you have a interest in the people rather than just seeing uh, numbers or seeing names or seeing experiences actually let me let me talk to this person let me see what they're really about it actually makes a difference when you want to build a cohesive team and also build relationships because it's, it's what happens in, in that normal life isn't it when you get to know people you get to know actually there's something about you as opposed to I've heard or I've seen which is second or third hand anyway and that's the difference that you're showing that actually works and works really, really well. Yeah, it has. You know, somebody can have a very impressive CV. You can bring them into your team. Because they've worked here, 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 here. And, you know, they're brilliant. You know, you've got to listen to what they say. But their personality and fit culturally might not be with the business. And in fact, it could be counterproductive. And you've got someone who might not have as much experience, but have got the passion to learn and who want to excel um, and will empower the team. And bring in that positivity because that's what I want. That's what I've got. A real positive team. We all really want to be successful. I know my, what so I don't rule with an iron fist. For me, I'm more of a carrot person. And my team are actually as well. As more successful I get, the more successful they are going to get. I pull them all up with me. Um, and it's really, really worked well. It has. Mm. One of the things that, um, struck out to me when we were talking last time was um, that going way back was around um, your mum and how she worked really hard to get all all her kids, you being the eldest, um, really educated, which was very different at that time and wasn't what the rest of society was. I just want to uh, ask, what, what are the major lessons you learned from from your mum and from the, from that scenario? Mum was a survivor. 
she was she worked hard um she literally um her work ethic was great she had we had there was four of us and my dad was a market trader so he wasn't always at home so not only did she work really hard and manage the family she also education was really important to her particularly for us girls now in my family background and, and out within my culture at that time girls didn't study most of my cousins actually got married at 16 um and it was like why are you getting your daughter to study you know i remember my like my mum's attitude was no matter what happens in life if i can give you an education you don't have to use those certificates but when you get married if anything ever happens you've got something to fall back on so as your mum i'm going to encourage that. my dad was brilliant he let mum go with the flow <laughs> he he didn't stop us but he was chilled out um but Mummy was that strong, positive role model that I had growing up. And I think that's the reason why I am the way I am now as well. And I still remember once, I was 21 and an old, old aunt, my dad's eldest sister, said to my mum, my daughter has four children and she's the same age as Reshma. What's Reshma achieved? You know, don't you think that she should be married now? And my mum proudly said, wow. she's got a degree. That's what she's got. And bizarrely... Um, but a lot of the boys in the in in the family were getting educated. It was just not the girls. So it it. But as soon as I got my degree, it opened up a can of words. Everyone, you know. Now our family's different. We have we have doctors, we have lawyers, we have people in top senior positions um, within the family who are women. I have cousins who ring me up and say, oh, "I want to be a lawyer like you, you know, auntie. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that." So the generations have changed, but it was much more difficult when I was younger. Um, my mum had to, and she is the strong woman. She says it how it is. Um, and I think having that strong role model helped me. And even to this date, she's my biggest fan, biggest my confidant. And if I ever want to talk about anything, I just pick up the phone to her. She's my best friend. Um, so, yeah, I'm very blessed to have had a amazing positive role model because we had no lawyers in our family i had no one i could go and talk to the most corporate person i knew was our doctor um and she found work experience for me i worked at local government i did about three four jobs while i was studying at uni um to get to where i ended up being and getting breaking that mold to get into the corporate sphere i can still remember my careers advisor saying with your language skills it will probably make sense if you go and work in criminal law or immigration but academically, I did better in business subjects. So why should I go and work in the corporate? Because it's really hard. I didn't go skiing. We didn't. We couldn't afford holidays. Um, but I learned to use the confidence I had. I learned to act, think, um, conduct myself in a certain way. And I persevered. And my academics pushed me forward. And I got into that top 20 legal firm. I got my training contract. I, I became head trainee <laughs> lawyer. Uh, I became a national spokesperson um, for the law. So I did, I did loads of things. Um, so I dispelled all those stereotypes. But that's because I had my mummy in the background always telling me, you can do anything. That's, that's why I was very lucky. There was never anything my mum felt I couldn't do. And whenever I doubted myself, she'd just slap me back into my place and say, yeah, you can. Right. See, I, I, love, I love hearing you share some of your accolades as well. Because you're very humble. 
<laughs> so a lot of times you don't you don't say to say much about what's really. And I was like, come on, come on. And now I know we know what we know what's happening in the background. So it's great to hear you actually talking about the different things and hear you talking about your mum being that trailblazer and how that's flowed into you because now you're a trailblazer in in what you're doing. You've done in the past. You do brand new brand new industry in a sense. And again, you're breaking the stereotypes. You're breaking the norms from running, being the manager director, they're owning that company, creating your teams in a very particular way and not necessarily listening to even the things that other people have told you. You're just showing up as yourself. And that's evident to see how success actually kind of flows hand in hand with that when you show up as yourself. And that's really, really um, good. You can't be proud of who you are. You're right. Always. What are your, um, your biggest lessons you've learned during COVID period? I think everything was tested. Relationships were tested. Personal and professional. But I feel that biggest lessons, we came out stronger. Always have a backup plan, plan B. Be resilient in business. Um, I didn't give up. I didn't take the easy road. When everything happened, I wasn't looking for government schemes to support me. I was trying to make sure my business survived. That was my priority. What more work can I get? How can I capitalise on this? And I also, I think it strengthened relationships with a lot of other business leaders. You know, the more people I spoke to, they were all sharing the same pain and we all helped each other out. Um, But yeah, so in terms of lessons, gosh, there was lots of lessons that I don't even sometimes think I know what the lesson is. All I know, I'm a better person as a result of going through these 12 months. The fact that we've survived in my itself tells me that my business is strong um, because I've seen a lot of amazing businesses not survive. And I think being a restructuring lawyer, my specialty was insolvency. So my role was as a lawyer seeing some amazing businesses with some really good directors just not make it. Um, and because of that, I, I think I bring that spectrum into this business. Cash flow is key. Um, make sure that you've got this, 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 just in case, you know, because I can, I, I've seen some brilliant businesses not do well because the little things they've forgotten on the way, the basics. Um, so I have a lot of plan Bs, a lot of backup plans. And I always believe that sometimes things just don't go the way you want to, but it's fine. You just get back on and you take a different route. The end, you just need to know your end result. That's what it is. So agility, that's important. Speaking of end result, what does success look like for you? I want to create a situation where I can enjoy life and not have to work with his parents. Uh, I can spend more time with my family. Um, the reason why I went into this industry and changed my path and where I was going was for my babies. They changed the way I looked at things. Um, I wanted to spend more time with them. Um, so my future looks like I'm going to, if they, they're getting older now, so there'll be a time they don't want me to be around too much, but I want to be able to go on those family holidays. I, I, I want, that's what I've missed this in the last 12 months. Um, I want to be able to go to those school assemblies, go to parents' evening. I, I don't want to be that distant. I still want to be that mummy. I enjoy doing the housework. I enjoy being a daughter-in-law, making samosas and cooking meals and entertaining for people. 
but also I enjoy being a managing director of a amazing business and working with the big corporate clients. So I've got different faces and different roles. And my ideal scenario where I would want to be is be able to maintain all of that comfortably. So I'm not one is taken over from the other. In fact, my priority going forward, where at one point it has been the business to grow it, to get it where it is, I want it to flip the other way. I want to have my business, but I also want to have more time. I want, I want my, want, I want my role and this business to allow me to enjoy what I've got around me. And I believe that's what being um, an entrepreneur and a business owner gives you that flexibility. You work on your own terms. Wow, that is that's powerful, and I so so resonate with that when you can get to the point where you're not working in your business, you're working on your business, which allows you to enter to actually live and enjoy the fruits of your of your hard work rather than just constantly doing that time and time and time again when it just feels like feels like a job. Yeah. What's your um holiday destination that you want to go to when once lockdown is over and we can actually fly out? Oh man. I just need I need to wear hot. The cold climate does not suit me. I just I need to wear hot, hot, hot Dubai, the Bahamas, anywhere. Just let me let me out. <laughs> I really warm. I need, I don't need to see anything. I just need a beach or a pool, and it's hot. I can throw the kids in there. I can get a good book, um, good food. Um, but yeah, I just just want to change the scenery. I've been in this house nearly the whole year. <laughs> I want to get out there again. I want to get out there again. So when you're on holiday, you're a relaxed, poor kind of person. You don't get involved in like activities and all that kind of stuff. You just chill. I, I want to chill. I, that's why I like, you know, they can do those activities with daddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. So yeah, I'm going to the spa. I, I'm doing all of that stuff. Um, I may go to one theme park or do one thing because the kids are a bit older now. The holidays are slightly changed, but no, I'm, I'm, for me, complete relaxation. My mind is always active. I do work hard. Um, yes, around my family, but it does take a lot of hours um, that you invest. So when I break away, I do want to just rest. And I really enjoy that. What do you I'm like reading? reading? What do you like reading? Oh, trash. Absolute. Forget about um, real life, supernatural, anything. Um, when I want to read about stuff about politics or entrepreneurs and other people I admire, that's great. But to be honest, on holiday, great from reality. Um, mind-numbing things you don't even think about reading. Um, I don't need to absorb any information on my holiday. I just want to read to think, not even think about it. So that's that's literally yeah. Specific. That's a com- complete mind switch off <laughs> no work no thinking about that i'm just gonna immerse myself in relaxing in trash and me time and my family for a couple of it's weeks important. and to be honest it's important we all lose sight of that it's like a car you can't keep going up and down the motorway and not stop and have an mot and a service or put some fuel in it you've got to stop you'll still get to your end destination you probably still get there at the same time but if you keep going, keep going. I've been there. I've burnt myself out in the past. You know, I've gone completely and then thought, oh, I'm exhausted. Not now, but I've learned. 
Um, and my advice to any other business owner or business or entrepreneur or anybody starting out, always make some time for me um, because you're, you're probably the most important person in this business. And if you're tired and if you're not focused, it's not going to do well. You'll struggle. That's so true. In one of my last questions, it's actually sparked with a conversation I had with a female friend of mine yesterday. And we're going back and forth around. Um, she's a female founder and she's black. And she's like, I see myself as a black female founder. And at the moment, there's this debate around, should you put your either your gender or your race in front of your accomplishments? Or should you just be like, I am a founder, I'm an MDM or whatever. How do you, what's your take on, on that? I'm just curious to, to get your thoughts. I don't know. I'm proud I'm a female-owned business, 100% female-owned minority business. I'm proud because there's not many others. That makes me different. Mm. But should I have to shout and scream about it to get heard? No, I shouldn't. But unfortunately, sometimes you have to. You look at your USPs. You look at what makes you stand out and use that as your strength, not a weakness. Um, Because if you try and hide it, that's actually inadvertently means you don't actually embrace the extra, what the benefits it brings to the business. I see things very, very differently. You know, I, I'm not just only a, a woman, I'm a mummy. That makes me special. The skills I have as a mummy and the multitasking and everything else. Um, I'm not just a mummy, I'm a minority, but I'm from a Pakistani background. Um, that's different. Um, it's it's just makes us all special that's all it is so i think it's got pros and cons i don't think we have to sing and dance about it but why not that's what makes us different whatever whatever is our whatever makes us stand out you know if if someone was had x amount qualifications they'll be shouting and screaming about it on their resumes um if they've got letters after the name they'll put it there so what makes me different? what's my identity i'm a woman I'm a minority, um, but I own businesses. I'm dispelling those straight um, those stereotypes. I'm breaking those glass ceilings. That's what I'm doing. Yes, you are. You are definitely doing that, and it's an absolute pleasure just to witness it, just to watch mm-hmm. it. Like every conversation I have, I have with you, I'm like, I can't wait thinking. Like, okay, right. Well, what would Reshma do in this in this situation? <laughs> you know, and it's and it's great. It's great to be able to have. Um, people in those positions, people where you can talk to and you can actually see that it's not just words. There's action behind it. There's the evidence behind the success of your business. And then you talked about getting through the last 12 months and you're not where you want to be, but actually you've been, you're brilliant. your business has done really well. It's not where yeah. you want to be based on your standards because they are up there and you've got so many goals that you want to achieve. But actually in the balance of things, you guys have not only just like survived, you have thrived during that period by diversifying, by pivoting, by doing things differently. And, and that comes from having someone in your position who is thinking that differently, not thinking as someone who's been in the industry for 20 years from a security or army, army background. You're thinking more from a corporate perspective and you can apply that family team dynamic into the way you approach things, which actually have a knock-on impact on growing your successful business like you're currently doing right now. And I think that's it. Um, it's, I'm I'm very lucky we part this a large global brand 
And whilst we're all separate entities, it's like we've still got other business leaders we can talk to who support us. And um, we all have different perspectives of how we do business. Um, and I know that being a leader is very, very lonely. Um, you know, within the company itself, there's, there's only so much you can share with your team. You don't want them to experience your fears um, or feel those fears. And there's many a times that I've been, especially in March last year, when the world turned upside down and I was taking over the business, I was petrified. Um, but I'm very, I think your support network is very important. And I've got some amazing friends and networks who've been there with me. Um, and I've learned to, as, as I've said many a times, to follow my gut. That sixth sense, does it feel right? Yep, let's go for it then. Whether it works or not, I've, I've made that decision with conviction. It's calculated. I've thought about this and it works. And it did. Everything worked last year. Um, all those you know, areas we diversified. We even did PPE at one point just to help that little cash flow. Um, we tried it all. Um, and again, I'm only as good as my team. And I can't take credit for all of this. They didn't give up. Everybody became home workers and they still worked really hard. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have to be on their backs, etc. My security team, we didn't have to shut any major contracts. We moved people around here, there, everywhere. But, um, and our clients as well, we were there to support them throughout, but they're brilliant. We had a great relationship with them. We worked together as a team. Um, so I'm very blessed to be surrounded by some great people and I'm grateful for that as well. And I think that's why we're doing well and that's why we'll continue to do well. And that's a, that's a perfect way to to end to end this. I really appreciate it. Just listen to you sharing your experiences. I'm sure it will encourage both men and women um, about stepping stepping out and taking taking a chance, transferring the skills as well. That's something you've done really really well. Something you've done with your team, and it goes to show that you don't have to stay in one industry. You can move around and do slightly different things, which are always going to be stepping outside of your comfort zone. It's never easy. But once you do it and you believe in yourself and you believe in your USB, like you talked about, you can actually start to make a difference and you don't have to do things the way that they're done. And you also sound like you've kind of got a Midas touch. I love it though. I don't, honestly, it's worked. It's, it's worked. I think just follow you. Just go for it. It's, if you feels right, if you're passionate about it, I think that's what it is. It's about having that passion. If you're passionate about what you're doing it will, the person on the side feels it. And it's all about building trust and building relationships. And that is what Octavian's really good at. Um, people don't buy, people buy from people. Um, and that's why I've got a great team that people trust, who deliver. And a lot of our work we get from word of mouth. People have referred us on. Um, so that's sentiments to the work my Ox teams do. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. Um, yes, I've worked hard for it. But um, touch wood, it's all worked out well. And I may always continue to do so. As I say, I've only got this far. There's still so much more I can do. So, so look out, world. Rush was not done. <laughs> this mission not done yet. <laughs> this is Everyday Leadership. Thank you for listening to this episode of Everyday Leadership. You can check out the show notes on www.mindsetshift.co.uk forward slash podcast where you can find out more about my guests and how you can contact them you can listen to old episodes 
Or if you have a question about this episode or any other episodes, you can just press a button and ask me that question and I'll answer it on the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, share this podcast with someone else. We'll see you next time on Everyday Leadership.